podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the new Old Norwich, the podcast that's more steady on than Splendid Rush. We're determined to get our Old Norwich back. Coming up, same old, same old. Burnley or bust. And episode 15, we start the countdown of the greatest ever goalkeepers. And we're also going to plan to come up with the best team or the best squad ever for Norwich City. Well, more details to come on that. But Dad, same old, same old against Brighton. I suppose the only thing you could say is at least we didn't lose. <laughs> it's It was grim, really, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, zero shots on target. They had 31 shots against us. And I mean, basically, again, it was a team suffering. They'd suffered six straight defeats before we come along. Um, and you get a goalless draw against a terrible team, but there's still several levels above us. Yeah, they had chance after chance. I mean, you mentioned 30 shots. I think uh, according to NCFC numbers on Twitter, which is a, a great uh, account to follow if anyone wants to, it's only the third time in 20 years that Norwich have conceded 30 shots against a team. And the last time it was obviously the 1920, 1920-2020 uh, season when we lost 5-0 at Man City. Now, you kind of expect to lose 30 shots against Man City, but not 30 shots to Brighton. For goodness sake, you, as you said, hadn't, hadn't won in seven matches. I know. Uh, it's, as I said, it's, it's, it's really grim. And what's clear to me, John, is I, I did listen to most of the game, not all of it, but I did listen to most of it. We've got no midfield. Yeah. They don't protect the defence. Yeah. They struggle to progress the ball up the pitch. They don't press and they create nothing. Has there ever been a more ineffective midfield in Premier League history? Well, to be fair, when we come to our greatest team, our greatest midfielders, it will be easy that we don't have to even worry about this season. There ain't going to be there ain't going to be any of those uh, Herberts in in it. And I but looking at some of the highlights and uh, I, I describe them as highlights when you watch them on Sky Sports, very much lowlights for, for Norwich City, but it, it's all Brighton, for example, and every time they had a shot, and admittedly only, I think, four of those shots were on target of the 30-odd shots, but out of those 30 shots, none of our players got anywhere near blocking them, particularly, as you said, the midfielders. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he pulled Lise Malou off after about 60 minutes and, and, brought, and brought John Lowe on, which says, so I, I, again, you know, we talked about Kenny McLean in, in this podcast every week. Um, Gilmore, Lise Malou, Norman, they're just not, as you say, they're not offering us absolutely anything. And the, no. only, and the only chance that we really had, um, that, as you said, wasn't on target, but really should have been, was Rashika's right yeah. at the end where, you yeah. know, Pookie bursts out and, and Brighton have been pushing for a goal. Because if you're Brighton, you're thinking, why are we not beating Norwich, particularly after missing a penalty so badly uh, 20 minutes into the game? But that, but Pookie does what Pookie does and broke away. And then he a lovely cross um, into the box. And, and Rashika's, what, on the edge of the six-yard box. And he had to just hit the target. He had to volley it. But if you're only having six shots on target for Norwich, all match, and none of them were on target, so six shots, none of them on target, you're then, if you're only getting six shots in a whole game in 90 minutes, when you get the one chance... <laughs> and you still can't get it on target. You're, but you're, but 
from a practice point of view, you're not going to do it. Now, I, no, part, no. part of what I make a living from is working with Olympic and Paralympians and talking to the likes of Max Whitlock and Charlotte Worthington, the BMX uh, gold medalist who uh, does freestyle uh, BMX, where you're doing tricks and you're doing skills. And if you remember when she won her gold medal in Tokyo, the first run that she did, she tried a full 360, which never happened um, in in their world world championships. Obviously, it was the first time it was at the Olympics, but this BMX event, had never, no one had ever tried it in a world final. She tried a 360 and she actually fell. Yes. Now, the big question for her and what we asked her afterwards, and I've spoken to her about it, uh, I worked with her on another project. We said to her afterwards, why did you then try the 360 again in the second run? Because... It, it could have meant a gold medal, which eventually she did, and she landed it, so she won a gold medal. But it could have meant that she didn't win a medal if she'd have, have dropped it. And what she said to us, Dad, is 99% of the time I do it, I land it. And so I knew that when I fell, that was the 1%. Right. So I yeah. knew that the next time I did it, yes. I, I would land it. So she was totally confident she would do it, yeah. And this yeah. is my point about practice. And I said this in an earlier episode about having a, a, a striker coach or something. I agree that the midfield is a bigger issue. But if you if you are a striker and if you are trying to score goals, which ultimately is what is what you're there for, although watching uh, Monday Night Football last night, it seemed to, with, with Wayne Rooney, which I thought was a really good programme, but um, it seemed to be that assists are now just as important as scoring goals, um, if, you, if, if you believe <laughs> well, that. But, yeah, um, but that, that then depends on the striker putting it away, doesn't it? Because an assist doesn't mean anything. Exactly. It? I mean, you think, <laughs> I, I think I saw a, a stat from... Um, Pukki that he's getting near 100 assists or 100 goals and assists in the Premier League or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you're, we're getting a bit desperate now to try and get up to 100 um, or whatever it is um, because you add the assists in. But actually, he would have got an assist yes, from, from, from yeah, this because yeah, yeah. he literally picked Rashika out and there was nobody near him. And yeah. I wonder whether he could have taken a touch and then put the ball in the back of the net. But, yeah. if you're, but if you're not doing something week in, week out, every day, where you know if this ball comes over, I'm going to smack it and it's going in the back of the net, like Charlotte Worthington in, in the BMX, then it's never going to happen. No. And I and I I think serious question marks, and we've we've talked about this a lot about the 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 purchases that we made last summer, particularly in the midfield, where we we actually apart from McLean, we pretty much scrapped our midfield. We got we, we let Teddy go, understandably. Obviously, Skip went back, but we we had no midfield, and we've yeah. tried to rebuild it, and we haven't. So serious question marks about that, but then serious question marks about the strikers and scoring goals and having one opportunity to score a goal because yeah. actually Neil Mopé, the, the the French striker for Brighton, I mean, he had four or five chances and he still couldn't score. So <laughs> we, 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 we're having one chance. We're never going to score a goal. Quite. And just going back to your point about assists, poor old Pookie, John, he's never going to make many assists because nobody else scores. No. <laughs> and, 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 that's, and that's the thing. I mean, ultimately... You go back to our team and you think, well, who, who in this team actually do we want to keep? Yeah, well, just look, just, I've just got made a note here, John, of look, you look, look the lone players that we've had, Quebec, Norman, Gilmore, they've given us nothing really no. over the season. I mean, Williams is a bit better. He's put in a lot of effort. But even, even with Williams, you've got to remember that, you know, he was caught at the far post against Brentford. Yeah. And, and the goal against Leeds. So, you know, that hasn't been perfect. But then you look at the signings. 
Zollis, um, Lise Malou, mm. nothing. Sargent, one game. Rashika, some nice touches. Mm. You know, Janoulis, very little. I mean, th th they were all expensive players. Yeah, yeah. Well, we go back to that that um, argument about we spent more than fifty million pounds, yeah. which, in Nor which in Norwich City history is unbelievable. And going back to what you're saying about do we, you know, as supporters, do you feel any attachment to any of these players really? Do you care whether they stay or not? And I think that is a really good question because I thought saw fans at Brighton, Norwich fans in yellow and green shirts, celebrating a nil-nil draw with Brighton. Yeah, yeah. Now I, 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 I think away fans are slightly different from from fans who go week in week out. I've never I've never just been a happy clappy. Oh, I'll, I'll just support them for what, what whatever will be. Yes, I support them, but you've got to you've got to give me something back. I can't yeah. I can't just watch rubbish or turgid nonsense and then go, "Oh, well done, boys. Excellent, brilliant." No, it was awful. And I I'm amazed that people celebrate a nil-nil with Brighton, especially when you've paid money to go down there and actually do it. Now, you might have nothing else in your life and it might be the most important thing in the world. Cra okay, crack on, enjoy yourself. But I I don't. I, I couldn't care less about these players. I started off wanting to really like Billy Gilmore, as you'll if you go back to episode one and two of the podcast, you will you will know. Yeah. But but the more and more I see of him, the more I don't understand why he's not performing. And, and again, you then have to go back to the coaching and the managing. So a question I heard on Talk Sport this week, uh, talking about Everton. Yeah. Uh, Everton obviously played Burnley this week. And we'll, That's we'll, right. We'll talk yeah. about Burnley in a moment. But Everton obviously uh, lost again at the weekend. I think Lampard's lost seven games um, since, he, since he took charge. It, it makes me realise what I said as well, that I never wanted Lampard in charge of Norwich because I think it would have been even worse here. But the question was, is it Lampard's fault? at the moment and, and and all the Everton fans that I heard who phoned up said no it's not Lampard's fault it's the it's the director of football and it's the owners right and I think that's the same situation we've now got with Norwich and I think although last week I was saying in the last episode um, that I support Dean Smith and I think he should stay I still go back to that point he's got to prove it in the next 10 games because he has John the, the, the only thing <clears throat> Chris Gorham made a, a very valid point uh, he asked the question, has a manager come into a new manager's job? And, you know, he came in in, what, November? Before he actually plays with any players that he brings in, it'll be next August, September. Yeah. Is there any manager who has ever come in and spent that long without bringing any players in? Yeah. I mean, Lampard, he, he came in, they brought players in the in the window didn't they yeah and he didn't even play Delhi Alley in midfield uh, no. at the weekend when he lost a midfielder um literally uh, in the warm up so that, that again that shows that bringing in players doesn't isn't the answer necessarily the answer no it, it's it's not but but not to have that freedom if you like when you come to a new club to influence it if you like with players but how know. much is Dean Smith and Shakespeare going to actually choose the players? And that's well, what that, I go, and that's what I go back to because if you're just being told here are the players, which we understand that was how it was with Farker, it was very much here are your players. He might have some input, but here are your players. You go away and coach them. So arguably, does it matter that he hasn't brought in any new players? He 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 must have decided that he didn't want Jordan Hugel back. He must have decided that those players on loan weren't coming back in January. He could have had 
quotes new players at that time who could have changed the yes, uh, the yes. dressing room, and he decided not to. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, so you, what you're saying is that he's really got to show because he's not really showing any improvement at the moment, is he? I mean, you could argue that a nil-nil against Brighton is better than losing 3-4-1 to Brentford. But that, in a way, that was no different. Do you remember, Farker got sacked after that, that win at Brentford. Yeah. And the reason we said about that, well, we, we won at Brentford, but we were under the cosh, we didn't look any better. This one, we're still not looking any better, and we didn't even win this one. No, no, absolutely. And I think that's, you've got to see something in the next 10 games, which is why I say Burnley or bust. So Norwich have the worst scoring rate of the Premier League this season. 18 goals Norwich have scored this season. The worst in the Premier League. The second worst in the Premier League is Burnley on 22. So you get good odds on a 0-0-3. <laughs> well, um, on your theory, you never have two nil-nils in a row. So True. I, I, Burnley are better at home. So they haven't, uh, before they play Everton, they're playing Everton in the week. Um, but before that, they, they they last won at home against Tottenham, one 0 Which, when you look at now, Tottenham flying and fourth place in the Premier League, you go, "Wow, that's yes. a great result." But they haven't yes. won in they, they haven't won in five games, Burnley, um, and they look to me they look as bad as teams did at the uh, earlier in the season, like Everton. Uh, even Newcastle looked bad at the start of the season, didn't they? And they yes. they've, they've got better. So, I, I this is why if we don't beat Burnley. And I, let, let, let's lay it on the line. If we don't beat Burnley at the weekend, then I think Dean Smith is a serious question mark over his future. To you, right. Yeah, yeah. Because if we can't beat Burnley, we haven't beaten Brighton, we can't beat Burnley, we definitely didn't beat Brentford. We didn't beat Leeds. We didn't yeah. beat Leeds. What are we... What is, what is the point? Yeah, I mean, there's two points, actually, isn't there? One is, would we get anyone better... And I think the feeling is that Smith is quite a good manager. Would we get anyone better? So I, I did hear someone say that the only one we could get better than Smith would probably be Daniel Farker for the championship. But you take my point. Who would we have? And then the other point is, do we give him the summer to um, bring it or, you know, mould the team as, as he wants and he wants to play? Because he's certainly not um, able to get how he wants to play out of this squad of players, is he? No. And I think, in all seriousness, I think we have to give him the summer and next season. Yeah. But, but do we have to give him the summer the same as what happened under Farker and with Stuart Webber? And that's that's the bigger question mark, is who is buying the players and who is deciding what is going to happen? Because if we keep going up and getting relegated, going up and getting relegated, we all, I think the majority of Norwich fans now don't think we're going to get promoted next season from the Championship. So we either say, right, Dean Smith, you're, you're in charge and we'll carry on and Webber will pick the players and you have a go and we'll see if this, this way that we have been doing it continues. Or do we actually say, no, we're going to start all over again and we bring a young manager from League One or Two and try and build it that way? Now, that brings with it pitfalls that we've seen many a time. But then there are also opportunities out there of, of other managers who will want to will see Norwich as a step up, like mm. like one of the greatest managers that ever came to our club in Paul Lambert, who, who, who saw the opportunity. Yeah, and, quite. And yeah. arguably the set of players that he had when he took on were as bad as the players we've got now. Yes, yeah, yeah. Now, he, he turned it around, so why can't Dean Smith turn it around? Yeah. 
there is this wider issue. I, I don't know if you, you've you've heard about Stuart Webber climbing Everest. <laughs> have, have you heard that? No. Well, yeah, he's he, he, it's quite laudable in a way um, that he's formed a charity and his aim is uh, early in the new next year, 2023, he's going to climb Everest. And he's spending this year training and preparing for that. So he, I mean, he, his his full focus is not on Norwich City at the moment. Now, I'm, I'm sure he hasn't said anything about this, but I'm sure he would say, well, I've got Neil Adams as my deputy. And I do the transfer windows and that sort of thing. But it, <clears throat> there has been a lot of comment up here about that and about, um, you know, his, his full focus not being on that, on the team. Um, and you do have to ask yourself, has this got something to do with the position that we're drifting in? I would have thought his uh, biggest challenge, rather than Matt Klein and Matt Everest, was to get Norwich uh, to stay in the Premier League. That would be a bigger challenge that I, I would be setting myself. I do wonder whether that means he's leaving. Yes, credit to Chris Gorham. He did come out and said, it's very difficult during commentary not to say, well, this is an even bigger mountain for Norwich to climb. Uh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, 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 the, the, the club seems to be drifting. And, and and the worst part of drifting clubs is that it goes on and on and no one takes any responsibility. Yeah, quite. And, yeah. and that is yeah. that is the issue. Um, and, and all of a sudden you find yourself now near the bottom of the championship. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Burnley on the weekend. It's Sunday afternoon and it's a huge game. It is Burnley or bust for Norwich City, we feel. This is the podcast that's more steady on than Splendid Rush, the new old Norwich and before we get on to our greatest goalkeeper debate starting that we have of course got the managers Paul Lambert and Dave Stringer in charge of the squad and we're going to try and build a team uh, around them uh, to go and manage as uh, the greatest managers but I just wanted a quick word about John Dean um, who's uh, his wife sadly revealed that he's suffering from dementia uh, in the last week um it's an awful disease. It's affecting a lot of football. It's, it affects a lot of other people. Um, At quite a young age, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In, in his in his fifties. So, look, I I remember John Dean as um, the 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 striker growing up alongside Asia Hartford and Mickey Shannon. And the, Keith Birchkin. And, and Keith Birchkin. <laughs> so Dean and Birchkin and then Hartford and Shannon came along yeah. a couple of years later. The famous Adidas uh, striped kit. Um, really glory days. He had the same name as me as well. So I have a feeling that I did play uh, after Birchkin because he was my favourite to start with. After Birchkin, I think John Dean was my was my favourite. And I have, I think, still in the loft, I'm going to have to probably dig it out. I have a, a copy of Match. Um, there was Shoot and Match back in the yes. day. Uh, <laughs> weekly football magazines. And it was a bin of the 1985 Milk Cup winning um side and and i just remember having pictures of him with shannon and and hartford and louis donoer and and the likes and yeah great 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 man great memories and then as you say actually a a, a good manager in 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 his own right as well yes, later yes. on um, yeah i mean he he and, certainly and he certainly did walker he certainly tried very hard didn't he to in them chase days to try and salvage it and we, and we shouldn't read you know he helped mike walker didn't he he did. He helped Mike Walker, and in fact, that um, you know that that following year, he we didn't have 
till we had all the calamities with Brian Gunn and that, we didn't have a bad season. We were having quite a good season and there's no doubt if luck had just gone in his favour, bearing in mind all the uh, adversities that he was suffering with the, the finances and that, um, you know, he, he, he did well. So, um, yeah, no, very sad. I was very sad to hear it. I thought it was nice that his wife said, if you do see him still, though, talk to him about football because he still loves it. Right. Um, OK. Yes. And I think that's the that's the thing. You kind of just got to go, keep, just keep giving, saying how brilliant he was. Um, yes. yes. So we part, we wish him and his family uh, all the best, of course. All right. On to greatest goalkeepers then. So our intention is to pick the best 11. That was how we, we started. But we think we might actually broaden this out and say, look, we want a squad to stay in the Premier League. So the, the best squad that we can have to stay in the Premier League. So that would include the best team, but the squad of players, and they would be led by Lambert and Stringer. That's right, John. I think um, in a Norwich dream team, if you like, from the, that, that we know now, at the moment, we haven't got a team who can stay in the Premier. <laughs> We're looking for a dream team of Norwich uh, players from the past to see if, 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 if we can put that together and... and to, to believe that they would keep us in the Premier League, even today. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to look at the goalkeepers to yep. start with. We've kind of come up with six that we want to talk about. And probably we're going to, rather than go back in time to start with, we're going to look at the more recent ones to start with. Last time we, we identified that over the last 60 years, that we'd only really had 11 uh, number ones in uh, in in the city side number one goalkeepers and um six, it it was fairly easy for us to identify that six of those had played over 80 percent of the matches in that time and they clearly were the outstanding goalkeepers uh, uh playing at the highest level in our time and so those six keelan woods gun green ruddy and cruel are the ones that we're looking at and this today we're going to start off by uh, looking at the ones from this century um, starting with Tim Cruel, and I think it's only fair to say we've talked about Saturday's game. He did make one fantastic save. He, and, did. You know, he obviously is a, you know, he's got this reputation as a shot stopper, and, and yeah, so it's a nice lead-in, if you like, to Tim Cruel. Yeah, I mean, he's he he. he it was a one-handed save from a point-blank header from Vettel, that's right. Um, yeah, in in the in the second half, and I think he's now had fifty clean sheets in the in Premier the, League. In yeah, the Premier League. Which, and bearing in mind he's had two seasons at Norwich. <laughs> that's, that's a heck of an achievement. That is. Uh, in, in, in terms of that. And I, I think it's interesting, again, with, with clean sheets. It's not something I particularly remember growing up, counting how many clean sheets a goalkeeper got. But, of course, stats have become more important, as we've talked about yeah. assists. And actually, for goalkeepers, clean sheets is, is what, uh, you know, is how they can be recognised. Yes. Yes, obviously it depends on the strength of the de defence. Um, but yeah, looking at Tim Krul, he was actually 30 years old when he joined City. Uh, he's now 34. And, and he was mainly known for his time at Newcastle, where he spent 11 years. Wow. But I was surprised when I, when I looked back, because much of that time he was second choice to either Shea Given or Steve Harper. Mm. And... Um, or, or he was out on loan or injured. So he only really had four seasons as a number one keeper. Um, and he's, he made 160 appearances for Newcastle, but all of them in the Premier League. And in 2011-12, uh, he was the Toon Player of the Year. Mm. He got then seriously injured, I think, didn't he? He did, yeah. Uh, I mean, 
when he joined us, he, he, left, he left Newcastle in 2016, joined us in 2018. And as you say, he'd had a bad injury in that time. Um, and I, I think it's fair to say, I mean, we got him on a free transfer, another, another which has been, I think it, it's fair to say, it's been really good value. Yeah. Because he came in in 2018-19, he had a really inexperienced defence around him. You know, there was Aaron's... Um, Lewis. Uh, Lewis and um, Godfrey, mm. uh, and and the, the you know Zimmerman, Closer and Hanley were the other three, but they were sort of very injured at various times. So he had quite a, a changed um, and inexperienced defence. And and thinking about it, I I think if we hadn't have had him, someone like coming in with his ability, I'm not sure we would have got promoted that season. Yeah. Because we did let in a lot of goals in any case. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, obviously we scored them, but perhaps with him not there, and he made all the difference. So I think we got really good value um, uh, from him. He's now made over 140 appearances, as I said. So he's nearly approaching his, uh, his Newcastle um, uh, total over these last four seasons. And as I say, I doubt if we'd have had the same level of success without him. I wonder whether he's one of the few players that we'd actually want to keep as well <laughs> during the summer. I think that's right. I mean, whether he feels there's another opportunity for him. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fair to say that if he hadn't have gone into the Premier League with Norwich from where he was when he came to us, um, he probably, if he had got a Premier League team, he'd have probably only been back up. So I think it's also fair to say probably that Norwich has been good for him as well. Yeah, I think that's yeah. fair. He's represented the Netherlands at every level. Um, but he's he's only made 15 appearances for the full national team. But obviously he's he's been around that team for for a long time. The only thing we haven't mentioned about him have been these two seasons in the the Premier League. Um, the first one, as I said, we we still went into the Premier League with that fairly inexperienced um, and defence and and midfield for that matter. And this this time, as we saw that his second Championship win. The um, we we did tighten up the 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 defence. Uh, I mean, in our first in in nineteen uh, sorry twenty eighteen nineteen we let in fifty seven goals. Twenty twenty one we only let in thirty six. Yeah. So we did go in in with a with a with a tighter defence. But as we've said, the midfield has been non existent this year, so it's not surprising that he's had a tough time. But I suppose where I'm coming from in those uh, in those years, you you couldn't really blame Cruel for that and in fact 1920 he was City City player of the season which I think he'll probably be this year as well because who else would you pick? <laughs> well yeah again I go back to who do you want to keep? Uh, Pook, yeah. Pookie and Cruel and that's about it. Um, <laughs> so that's that's Tim Cruel really. Yeah. Um, then we go, go back to John Ruddy. He came to us in uh, 2010. From Cambridge United or something was it? No, no, well, he, he, no he'd had five years, five years with Everton. That's he joined, right. he joined um, Everton from Cambridge when he was when he was just nineteen. Right. But he only ever made one uh, one appearance for Everton. Right. He was out on loan most of the time. And he was uh, he was a big lad. Well, that, that that's a good point actually, because because <laughs> he was he was only second choice really uh, when we signed him because. Remember Fraser Forster in the the third tier in the in the was Division One now. Yeah, I, I think we would have kept him if we we could afford him. Yes. and I think he was the, probably the fans' favourite. But so um, so really he came in um, sort of under the radar. But 
for Lambert, he wanted a big goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, and as you say, uh, John Ruddy's a big lad. And he'd had a, a good season at loan in Motherwell. Uh, Motherwell and um, so they bought him for £250,000. He was nearly 24 when he made his debut for us. And he went on to make 243 appearances um, over seven seasons. Certainly our longest serving goalkeeper this century. And he actually then left to go to a bigger club in in, in he did, comments. although, again, a, a bit like I said, Cruel, if, if Cruel hadn't been with Norwich at this time, he'd probably only been a backup. He's only really been a backup at a bigger club, hasn't he? Yeah, well, I think the first season at Wolves, he was number one, but then I think they brought in somebody and he's become the backup. That's right, um, yeah. I think when yeah. he was in the Championship, because he, he went to Wolves when they were in the Championship, from memory. And I think he did play for the most of that season, but then they brought someone I think in he did. I think once they got into the Premier League, I think they signed someone else, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. So just looking at his career at Norwich, um, first year he came in, as I said, a bit of a shaky start, but um, um, he was part of that championship um, team where we achieved second place um, and to get promoted. Um, and then probably... Um, is one of his best seasons, that first season in the Premier League, yeah. where, um, uh, you know, he played some big games. And I, he was player of the season that year, I believe, in that, for, in that, that first... Uh, um, when Lambert kept us up. When Lambert kept us up, absolutely. And, there, and then there were the two seasons under um, Hooton. The first one, he, he was injured for part of that first season. The second one, of course, we got uh, relegated. It's interesting, John. I was just looking at the figures from that. That season Lambert kept it up, we scored 52 goals in the Premier League. Yeah. Hooton's second season, we scored 28 goals. Yeah. So, uh, and actually, um, the, the, the figure against, as you said, the, the, um, looking at the goals against, 11-12 under Lambert, we let in 66. 13-14 under Hooton, we let in 62. So we didn't let in a lot more goals. The whole problem was the fact we couldn't score. Yeah, which, uh, worryingly, you've given me some statistics with nine games to go, that Dean Smith could be as worse a manager as Chris Hewton. Yes. In, <laughs> in terms of scoring goals. Yes. And and, uh, and, and that that worries, yeah. that that does, in all seriousness, that worries me. It does. Because wouldn't, wouldn't we have loved to score 28 goals this season? Exactly. <laughs> We'd have scored more than, than, than Burnley. So, I mean, I remember watching, I, I was... Probably there for John Ruddy's debut. At, yeah, I think at, we probably were. Yeah, no, at Cambridge United. Oh right, of course. Yeah. So we went to a friendly. So Norwich were going into the Premier League. They'd signed Ruddy, and they were playing a friendly at Cambridge United. Right. Yeah. And we were standing behind the goal uh, before the match, and uh, one of the balls uh, came hurtling towards my wife, uh, and Carrie managed to uh, catch it, I believe. <laughs> She didn't. She, she didn't get signed up for Norwich at that moment. <laughs> but John Ruddy, um, and I just remember being behind the goal, and he was. His shoulders were broad as broad things. So, uh, if you look at superheroes in the world, my my son has lots of little toys, figurines of Black Panther and um, and, and Spider Man, and you know, shoulders like that. And John Ruddy was just a presence, and I think that's why as you say, why he was such a great goalkeeper for us over those 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 periods. Yes, and it, and yeah. it was a blow. I think it was... I think people were getting... It's, it's weird. I think people get bored now of players. And I think I think players got a bit bored and he became the, oh, well, it's it's his fault. He's not he's not as good as he was. 
um, technique. Yeah, so we I, want someone better, yeah. We want right. a better goalkeeper. And yeah. I think, um, and, and actually what's proved with your stats that we've only really had 11 number ones in the whole of Norwich City's history, that actually we don't want to move them on too long, you don't, you, too quickly. No, um, no, quite. Because no, because you, you, get, you get good vote. So, so, I mean, yeah, so after that relegation, of course, then he was, he was part of that um, a team, the um, Neils team, which got to the playoff final yeah. win. He played in that. Um, and then so, again, and, and again, even that, that next relegation, again, just looking at the stats again, John, uh, and uh, Alex Neil, um, again, we let in 67 goals, which was similar to what Lambert let in his, his first season. But we only scored thirty nine. But even thirty nine compared with eighteen this year, <laughs> it's twice yeah, as much. You know, and and that and that's that's our struggle. And, and we ended up we 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 came nineteenth with thirty four points that year. Yeah, it would be nice to f- think we might finish nineteenth this season. I don't think we're <coughs> going to finish nineteenth this season either. So, so look, so John Ruddy, Tim Cruel, and I think we'll leave it there for uh, this week because we're okay, coming, we're coming to the end of uh, of of this pod. But it's... Just, just to finish on Ruddy. Um, um, just one appearance in the England team, a second half substitute, uh, a clean sheet in a two-one win. And that so was he, while he, he was he, at Norwich. Yes, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. And and there are a number of uh, England goalkeepers in our list that we will be talking about the uh, episodes yeah. to come. Um, but yeah, John Ruddy. Well, look from 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 what I can say to you now is I think John Ruddy is a better goalkeeper than Tim Krul in the greatest lists for Norwich goalkeepers. But that is something that we will. Uh, we'll yes, I, that, that, uh, yeah, I, I I think you're right. Um, um, he, 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 I mean, seven seasons is quite, especially these days, is quite a long spell. It was quite eventful, and we did very well. Yeah, absolutely did. So um, we will have more of Norwich City's greatest goalkeepers in the episodes to come. After, of course, Norwich have faced their biggest test of the season so far. We seem to be saying that week in, week out at the moment, but it is Burnley at the weekend. Fingers crossed for that. Uh, thank you, Dad. It's been a pleasure. This is the podcast that's more steady on then Splendid Rush, the new old Norwich. Sports Social Podcast Network.